Well, uh, I'm going to invite you to take out your outline that is in your bulletin. And if you have not been here the last few weeks, you might not have received this 2020 Vision brochure. And so if you have not had one of these into your hands, if you don't mind, you can just lift up your hand and I know that there will be an usher to come by and uh, give one of those to you. So we do have a few down here. Uh, if you don't mind making your way down here to the front, uh, keep those hands raised and we will have someone, they have just taken the offering and so I see people running to grab brochures right now for you, all right? So keep those hands raised and uh, if there's any up in the balcony, we have the ushers ready to give those and I think they're coming down here to the front. But otherwise, if you have your outline, please take those out and uh, turn to... <clears throat> Do, do we have the brochures here as well, Terry? Do, do we have these brochures in the back? That, that's what I'm needing to get into people's hands. Okay, they're, they're coming with those. Turn to the book of Mark, chapter 6. If you were not here last week, we talked about um, the first of a two-part series dealing with uh, commitment or comfort. And so we talked about uh, a group of army warriors who were so committed to their cause that they were willing to be dropped into battle from airplanes even before they knew parachutes uh, were a part of the equation. And I drew upon that story uh, to show how committed God wants us to be. And asking that question, are we that committed? Have we come to that place of making that kind of commitment to God? And certainly as we think of baptism, we think about that kind of commitment of someone dedicating their lives, of going under the water to acknowledge Christ as Lord and Savior and letting that show the difference in their lives. And we drew the lesson as well out of Mark chapter 6. I won't read all the story again, but it deals with the story of the feeding of the 5,000, which I told you last week was more like 10,000, maybe even 15,000 when you counted women and children into that as well. And in Mark chapter 6, we see that the people were following Jesus and his disciples. They were um, wanting to be a part of the miracles and to hear his teaching. And so they even followed him to a remote, desolate place where the disciples all of a sudden realized, it's getting a little dark here, Jesus. Why don't you send these people away? Because we don't have enough food to feed them. And so it says then in verse 37 that Jesus answered them by saying, you give them something to eat. And we talked a little bit last week about how much God wants us to be a part of his plan, how much he wants us to be involved in what he is doing here in the world. The disciples hadn't gotten this yet, and they were saying, man, that is a lot of money. Jesus says, okay, well, tell me how much you have out there. They said, well, we found five loaves and two fish. And the verses go on to say that a little boy, actually John says this, that a little boy um, was the one who gave the five loaves and the two fish. And we see that Jesus took it, multiplied it, blessed it, multiplied it, multiplied it, multiplied it, multiplied it, and multiplied it to feed 5,000. And by the end of that passage, it says, and they were all satisfied. And so we already filled in what we filled last weekend, but if you want to review that again, we brought up the point that we, as that little boy gave, are to do what only we can do with what we have with where we are. We're also to do that same thing. Do what we have with what we have. Do what we can with what we have 
with where we are. Just as that boy gave, we're in the same boat to give to God what we have. And I drew also the analogy there of the three points where it says, what can I afford to give? Because some people, that's the way they give. They give in the sense of, okay, what can I give without having to give anything up? And you remember last week, I said, though, that's no miracle. Just without having to give something up. What can I afford to give? Secondly, though, I drew, what can I sacrifice? In other words, what can I give only if I do give something up? And there's a number of us who give in that way. But again, there's no miracle involved in that. And so the third point I drew home last week was, what can I trust God to do through me? What can I give only if I give something up and then trust God to be my source in doing that? That's five-star giving. That's five loaves, two fish kind of giving. That's where the supernatural comes in. In fact, look what it says out of 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Paul encourages the Corinthians to have the same type of giving where it says, just as you excel in everything, he says, in, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and your love for us, he says this, he says, don't forget to excel in your grace of giving as well. Don't leave that aside. Grow in every way and make sure your giving grows in that way as well. And then he goes on in verse 12 and says it like this. He says, for if the willingness is there, if your heart is there, if the willingness to give is there, then the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what one does not have. In other words, do what you can with what you have, with where you are. And don't get caught up in how much. Because it's not about the equal gifts, it's about the equal sacrifice. It's not saying, God, I will give when I get enough. It's saying, God, I will give with what I have now. The five loaves, the two fish. Which falls right into place, and here's where we'll pick up here today. uh, The second lesson that's learned from our story, and that's this. To focus on obedience instead of outcomes. To focus on obedience instead of outcomes. See, too many of us want the outcomes first. We say, if I do this, what will I get? That that is so a part of our world today, especially here in America. If I do this, what will I get from it? Instead of doing what is right because it's the right thing to do. Daniel chapter 3 says this so well. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego Three men of great courage, of great obedience. King Nebuchadnezzar makes it a law that they would have to bow down to him. They stood up and said, that's not right. We will not bow down to you. King Nebuchadnezzar threatens to throw them into the fiery furnace. And look at what these three guys say. They look him straight in the eye and they say, okay, you know what? Our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the fiery furnace. We're going to step up and do what is right. Because we know that our God will take care of us. But if he does not, if he chooses not, we're still going to do what's right. Because it's the right thing to do. It's the obedience. And that's what God really is looking at and looking for in the midst of this. Doing the right thing because because it's the right thing to do. Not because I'm going to get something because I give something. Focus on the obedience and trust God for the outcome. So as we've 
entered into this campaign. And as we're coming more and more closely to a time of saying, okay, Lord, what would you have me give? I pray that it will never be about how much it is to give. I pray it will simply be about obedience. As you pray this week, saying, God, what are you laying upon my heart? What do you want me to give? It just so happens, though, that a lot of times we can monitor how much God has of our hearts through what we give. See, here's what Jesus knew, and he was a master at this. Jesus taught so much and told so many parables and stories about possessions, about your finances, about your money, because he knew there is a direct correlation, a direct connection between your heart and your pocketbook. It is so closely tied between your heart and your purse, between your heart and your credit card. Jesus told over half of his stories, half of his parables about finances, about money, because he wanted to get people's hearts, because he knew that they were tied in directly with what they had and their stuff. Even back in the days of Israel and Jerusalem and the people living there, I can't think of so much, it's so much more even today that we are tied in to our treasure. This, this verse sums it really up, though, in Deuteronomy chapter 14, verse 23, where it says, Bring the tithe to the designated place of worship, the place where the Lord God chooses for his name to be honored. And then it talks about why. And that's, that's what I think is so significant about this verse. It says, Doing this will teach you to always fear the Lord your God. Always honoring him. When you bring to him the first fruits, when you bring to him what belongs to him, that teaches you to honor him first. And he knows where your possessions go, your heart goes as well. See, being generous uh, doesn't hurt in a lot of other areas in your life as well. It kind of reminds me of the joke, maybe you've heard this, but there are two men who are shipwrecked on an island, um, and as they're shipwrecked there, one of them begins screaming, we're going to die, we're going to die, we're going to die, we have no food, we have no water, we are going to die. And there's a second man who's just kind of propped up against a palm tree, and he's acting so calmly. He's got his arms up, and he's just kind of whistling, whittling something. He, he, no, no big deal. It's driving the first man nuts. He looks down at him and he says, don't you understand? We are going to die. The guy just kind of looks at him and says, no, you don't understand. I make $100,000 a week. And he kind of looks like that, and he scratches his head. He is dumbfounded. He says, um, what in the world difference does that make? We're on an island with no food, no water. We are going to die. The second guy says, no, no, no. You don't get it. I make $100,000 a week, and I tithe 10% on that. My pastor will find me. Looks like I have a few trips to take, don't I? Find a few people. (laughs) Jesus knew that there was a tie and a direct correlation. Look what he says in in Matthew chapter 6. Jesus says it like this. He says, where your treasure is, that's where your heart will also be. And so people of First Baptist, let me just ask you, where is your treasure? What do you treasure? 
See, again, as we're entering into this campaign and coming to the home stretch of it, of talking about what our commitment will be, maybe God has not allowed us to pay off the ministry center and the children's building because he wants more of our hearts going that way. Not just to throw money of it, at it, but investing in our hearts going into the ministry that we are doing there, taking more interest in that. Over the last six weeks, we've been in this campaign. When the game is over, it all goes back in the box. And uh, I've been sharing with you a few emails from a family that's been reprioritizing their lives. They have young children, and um, the wife has been emailing me. She came and talked to me a few times. Uh, She took up my challenge to say, okay, what in your life are wants versus needs? What in your life is luxuries versus necessities in your life? And she said in the first 10 days they took that challenge, there was over $200 that they saved. Money that they they had no idea where it would have gone. They would have looked back and said, where did that go? Except she kept track of every impulse that they had to spend. Every time that they were going to do something that she says, you know what? That really is a luxury. That is not a necessity. That is just something we want, not something we need. And so she said over six weeks' time, they were going to keep track of that and just do the things that were necessities. And she, she emailed me back. She said $500, at least $500 in that six weeks, would have gone to stuff that we would not even have remembered what it was. And then she said, we're going to give a set amount to the campaign. We've already decided we want to give some amount. But then she said we're also going to continue to keep track of wants versus needs because anything that falls into that, that wants category, we're going to give that as well to help with what's going on at First Baptist Church because we know that, that that's what God wants. He, want, he doesn't want us just to spend that money on stuff that we don't even remember we had. I mean, can you imagine how much money you would save if you don't spend it on a seven ninety five coffee, mocha, latte, whatever those things are at Starbucks? I mean, daily people get... That, that, that's over like $1,500 to $2,000 a year. I mean, I, there's been families who have said, what if we just go out to eat less? Well, what if we, uh, workers saying, what if we bring our lunch and the money that would go into that, the 12, 13, whatever dollars it is at lunchtime, we say, okay, add that up and give that to the Lord to make a difference. It, it really, it, it adds up. In fact, last week I told you a little bit about a gentleman, an older gentleman, one of our saints who has given for years and he was having some health concerns. I got another email this week from one of our older saints who wants to be a part of what we're doing, but he was having some difficulties with the drugs that he was supposed to be taking. And one of the pr- people at his medical office kind of stepped up and defended him and said, well, do you realize that there's a member financial assistance program that can help pay for what you're going through? He says, no, I didn't realize this. And so he emailed me, told me a little bit about the story. And then he said this. He said, Pastor Brad, to make a long story short, I now qualify for everything, and my insurance company now picks up my copay and all the other services in the hospital that I didn't know that they would also pick up. He said, God works in so many ways. I can now continue to do my share paying off our capital fund. He said, Pastor Brad, this is my story. Just to let you know, keep the faith. Everybody will step up to the plate. I believe God shows us there is a way when we step out and when we're committed. I thank God for people like that who say it makes a difference. I mean, do you realize, do you realize that um, I, I made this statement when we began this campaign and we were kind of looking at should we do this capital fund campaign? I, I said we have about $3.3 million debt on our children's building and our ministry center. I said all it would take 
is a thousand people who gave a thousand dollars a year for three years. That's it. And we have over a thousand people here every Sunday morning. A thousand people who would give a thousand dollars for three years. And some of you really latched onto that. You said, We can do that. As a husband, I can do that. As a wife, I can do that. We can make that happen. We can do that for those three years. Other people, though, kind of shrunk back and said, There's no way we could do something like that. Here's really the reality of how we are, how I think God has set it up for us to give. Go ahead and show this chart here. This has been in your brochure that you've had over the last couple of weeks. But um, in reality, God has not. Um, allowed everybody to have all the finances that uh, maybe they would like to have, and others have a little less, others have a a little bit more expendable expenses. And so you see that if we just came to the place of saying, okay, a couple families who could give at this level, uh, eight or so families who could give at this level, ten who could do at this level, and you see, though, that the core is really down in this area where there's some 350 families, actually 400 families who, could we give at 200 a month? Could we give it 100 a month? Could there be 50 a month? Could there be $20 a month that we gave? When you add up all those things, that equals about the amount that we need to pay off the building. So our consultant gave us this and said, Pastor Brad, this is really more how it will probably come in. What this is saying is that there is a place for everyone to give. And everyone is just as valuable as the next. Please hear me on that. There's a place for everyone. It's not about equal gifts, but it's about equal sacrifice. And so we've had leaders who have stepped up and given at this level. In fact, we've had leaders who have approached us and said, yes, we can do this. I'll give $23,000 a year. Yes, I'll give $25,000 over the course of those three years. I'll give $27,000. I'll give $40,000. I'll give $68,000 over the course of those three years. Yes, we will do that. In fact, we had one young family that stepped up and said, we will give a quarter of a million dollars to the ministry here. Because God has blessed us, and we know that he's going to continue to bless us, and we are blessed to be a blessing. But hear this. That gift is no less important in God's economy than someone who is sacrificing and trusts God to give $20 a month. That gift is, is, is no less important. Neither one is less important. They are each equal in God's sight. Because it's a place of obedience. It's a place of stepping out and realizing we can all do something. I mean, do you realize in our church here today, there are people in this congregation who are driving 15-year-old cars. We started a campaign back in 2001. They're driving 15-year-old cars because they said, we will drive this car until the Lord allows us to pay off this building. And they said, we will take what we would have put into car payments into helping invest in the children's program here at First Baptist. And they're praying that if it takes 10 more years, that God will allow their car to continue to go for 10 more years. That's what they're praying. Now, I hope it doesn't take that long. But it's a faith exercise. It's stepping out and saying, God, what do you want? What can I trust for you to fill in these gaps? Again, if you haven't been here over the last few weeks, we owe $21,000 a month to principal and interest 
to the debt that we have on the children's building and the ministry center. And that has been money that has been wisely spent. We have seen so many miracles happen. We've seen children even today get baptized in the waters of baptism because of that kind of a ministry. We are so blessed. But now we're praying about and wanting to move forward. Because there's new vision that we have. There's new miracles that we want to see take place. We would rather put that $21,000 a month into marriages and helping marriages thrive in our community because we know that they are being attacked by Satan. And we want to build them up like never before. We would rather put that kind of money into having a, a seniors pastor who can be hired to help with some of our senior adults and the needs that they have in our church. We'd rather put that money into an orphanage down in Mexico. There are 30 people even right now today who are traveling back uh, from Mexico who served there this weekend. They're doing work at that Mexico orphanage already. And children, we've gotten the okay from the government of Mexico that children can now attend and be a part of that orphanage, and we're hoping to have them in place by this summer. We're wanting to make a difference. Instead of that $21,000 a month going into buildings and debt, we want it to go into helping fight human trafficking, which is going on in our city today. Not just L.A., not just New York, not just Los Angeles, in the city of Stockton is taking place. We're on a major thoroughfare between 99 and I-5. And we have trafficking going on, sex trafficking. And over the course of 2016, we're going to start to introduce and talk about some of those types of things that we can do as a congregation to make a difference. We want to continue to see baptisms. We want to continue to see changed lives. That's what we want to see happen. And so we want our resources, we want our finances, we want our treasures to go that way. Again, let me read the verse, Matthew 6, 21. Jesus says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And what I believe God wants us to do is he wants us to focus on obedience. In fact, great verses out of Proverbs 3, 9, and 10, where it talks about honor the Lord with your wealth and with your first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty. Your vats will be bursting with wine with goodness, with good things. That comes about because we honor God with what he has given to us. I said this last week. Truth is, we shouldn't have to have a campaign. If all of us were obedient, as God has asked us to be obedient, we wouldn't have to do a campaign. But in the midst of it, God wants us faithful, and he wants us obedient. And the truth of the matter is, today as I stand before you, I am... I'm not asking you to give to this campaign here at First Baptist Church. I am asking you to invest in what is happening, what God is doing here at First Baptist Church. That's what I'm asking you to do. Because we have seen miracles after miracles after miracles. And when you do that, when you do that, the kingdom grows, but you grow as well. Remember the story? Jesus says, you give them something. Not, okay, turn your back I'll take care of it for you guys. No. He says, you get involved. You be a part of this. Let me work with you. That's how God chooses to work. I don't always understand that. It's just how he chooses to work. And so let me say it this way. The campaign that we began to build our children's building and later purchase the ministry center began in 2001. And, uh, and I am standing here before people today who are praying for that now to end. That that was money wisely spent, but we want to end it now. 
And I'm standing before people who can do that. Just as I stood before people at the 8 o'clock service, just as I'll be standing before people at the 11.15 service, just as the venue service will be going on in just a bit, I'm standing before people who can say, we want to now look forward. We don't want to look backwards. We want to look forward at what God's going to do. But let me take just a few moments to look backwards. Because um, I want to reintroduce you to some of the people who, back in 2001, We're crazy enough to say, yes, we believe this is God's vision, and we want to invest in what God is doing. And so I want to show you just a glimpse of some of the lives that have been changed because of what you have been doing. Take a look at this. first came, we didn't have a building right across the walkway. We didn't have what we now call our children's building. Um, We went into a campaign in 2001 that was called um, Enlarging Our Territory for Jesus. And then we did another campaign in 2004 called The Future Just Got Brighter. What do you remember about those campaigns? Well, we had kids, (laughs) so they were going to get full use of the building when but um, so we were new to the church, and all the ch- 
children's ministry was in the mm. A whatever the A building. Is that what mm -hmm. it's called? Mm -hmm. And I remember the nursery was in those two little rooms there, and uh, our kids. I remember uh, Daniel was four, so he was in Miss Celeste's class, and that room was packed. In our case, I what I remember was uh, our we only had two children at the time. Daniel was four, and Matt, uh, David was two. Matthew wasn't here yet, mm -hmm. and I remember uh, vividly we uh, we actually sent out a letter to, to, to Pastor Jim, and we just wrote two words: "We're committed." We closed our gift there. But what we did in addition, uh, we also had our two children give some money. And our older son put down a dime. And David put uh, a nickel. And Daniel could somewhat scribble his name. And, and of course, David couldn't at all. So we kind of put his little mark there. And we taped it. And we closed it and sent it to the church. And unbeknownst to us, that you know, years later, we, uh, Pastor Jim used that letter. Uh, with our kids to a nickel and a dime as the first gift to the, to the Children's Center. Well, here's getting a little bit more to the points that I want to talk about a little bit. And that is, you all have chosen to invest in the ministry here at First Baptist. You have chosen to say, we believe in First Baptist, the vision that is going forth, the children's building um, that uh, was erected in 2003 and 2004 dedicated, um, the ministry center that came along in 2007, and you have been giving all the way through. Why? Coming to First Baptist, it was the first time we heard a pastor challenge us to tithe. And we both were church kids, pretty much, but we never heard the challenge to give your first fruits to God so directly. And so that really had an impact and reshape our family, I would say. And so we believed in, best in investing in what God was doing. During the campaign, I remember that there was this dinner where you pledge your support. Um, and um, I, it was also during the time that God was teaching me a lesson of being a cheerful giver. I've learned uh, how to tithe, but to learn uh, to give sacrificially. Until the uh, center, the children's center, is fully prepared, and then I will continue to, to give. And then every year, every year, uh, I have these uh, moments with God that you purpose it in your heart, decide what to give over and above. God has tremendously blessed me. Well, um, I asked you all here to hear a little bit about the stories and some of the things that you've done to invest in the ministry here at First Baptist um, and to say thank you for how you've invested here at First Baptist. Um, but I'd also like you to hear from some other people whose lives have been changed because of the way that you have given and the way that you have invested. So youth maybe thought that you were just impacting a few uh, kids, but it's done way more than that. And so I want you to hear some of their stories.
name's Jaron Blythe and this is Danae. And I just want to thank you guys for uh, caring about uh, the church and, and caring about the ministries that go on here and putting your resources to, to making those things happen. Um, me and my wife, when we first got married about uh, five, six years ago, um, we were starting a new church as well. And we, we came here and um, during that first year, we had a huge crisis in our marriage to where um, our marriage was, was done, it was over, it was, it was, it was completely lost, and um, we were lost. And it was through the people here and God working through those people, uh, especially in the children's ministry, that helped to mentor us and helped to guide us and helped to support us and love us. Um, to, to grow and to get through it and to restore and heal our marriage. And uh, I don't know where we would be with, without um, the people and, and this place in our life. And so, um, thank you. You guys, you are awesome because you're continuing on with the investment. Yeah. You're pouring your lives and just keep filling up with Jesus so you can pour out. So. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Praise God. You guys are awesome. Hello all, uh, I'm Daniel Hancock, this is uh, my brother Matthew and David, and uh, hi mom and dad. Hi. <laughs> uh, first off, we want to thank you for your investment in the children's building way back when we were younger, and I think I was about five and Matthew, or David was two, and I don't even know if Matthew was alive at the time, but um, definitely just want to thank you for that because the impact that that building has had in all of our lives. Um, going back, I mean, from whether it was Upward Basketball to Soul Fire to, you know, summer camps or even mission trips throughout that building, um, all because of your guys' investment, like, all those things were able to happen. And um, it's really impacted each of our lives. And, you know, it's really helped us develop into, you know, the young men of God that you guys always wanted us to be. You know, Jeremiah 29, 11 says, you know, for I know the plans I have for you, you know, uh, plans not to hurt, t not to harm you, but to help you prosper, uh, to give you a future and a hope. And you know, when you guys, you know, gave your guys investments, you know, I don't think you guys thought of how much impact it would have. But you know, as you can see behind us, this is all like just a few of the people you've impacted, and it will continue to impact for years to come. And uh, you know, obviously, of us three here, we want to thank, thank you guys, our parents, as much, you know, because. You know, it's definitely helped us, and you know, it was a huge step in faith when you guys were young parents to really grow and uh, invest in us. So we want to thank you all. Thank you. Hello, my name is Beatrice Ressa, and I am so thankful that I'm able to show you my gratitude for investing and something so big. I was one of the first teachers here at First Baptist Christian School. And so for two years, I got to not only teach students how to excel academically, but also how to grow spiritually. And that was because of you guys. And now they're juniors and seniors, and it is such a blessing to see them walking on this church campus. And they still call me by my teacher name, and it's wonderful that I was able to have that opportunity to teach them 
also I was talking with my husband and we started counting um, the number of children we have brought to the children's building and we came up with about 20 kids 20 kids in the span that that building has been erected and they have all received the Word of God and whether they attend now or not we know a seed was planted in fact one of those kids that we brought we took in Gabriella here and we're now her guardians and she is a blessing to our home and I thank you that you help that make it possible for our family to grow uh, hi my name is Gabby Zamora um, I'm 12 years old and um, I just want to start off by saying how thankful I am for you guys contributing to um, the Children's Center. And um, my aunt and uncle, they brought me here a long time ago with my, uh, my siblings. And um, they introduced us to Juana. And that first year that I went there, um, on a Wednesday night, I accepted Christ. And it, it, it was kind of like a new beginning for me. Our God is so great. and. He helped me with my own tough times, like when my my family and I, we were struggling with money and we were poor and homeless and we were just staying with other people. And my parents, they weren't making <laughs> the best decisions for themselves. So my dad would go to jail and my mother was doing drugs. And it was hard for me and my siblings. Um, so... I just want to thank you guys so much for investing this because it's like our, my siblings and I are a safe place in the children's building. Um, even though I started Soul Fire this year, I will never, ever, ever forget all the lessons I've learned and the friends I've made that they're kids, both kids and adults. And I just want to thank you again for letting me know Jesus and now, because now I'm helping make him known. So let me just say, uh, let me say thank you for what you guys have been doing over the past uh, 14, 15 years. Um, you really are spiritual parents uh, of some of these children that have shared here, these adults that have shared here, um, and for your generosity and your investment in the ministry here at First Baptist, you have and will continue to weigh out live yourself for years and years and years to come until the Lord calls us home. And thank you so much for being on the team. God bless you guys for investing. Thank we you. love you. Thank you. Thank you. Those of you who gave, any of you who gave, could have been right up here in the front as well. And as a congregation, each of those people want to say thank you to you. And to see three boys, young, four and two, and one not even born, now to be young men, who are saying thank you to mom and dad, who are saying thank you to you, because you've helped shape their lives. We say thank you at First Baptist. If you have this 2020 commitment card, could you take that out for just a moment? Next week, we're asking if you would make a commitment <clears throat> to help 
families today and families to come. To help ministry that helps in the ministry center today and ministry to come. I'm not asking you to fill this out today. If you will take it home and you will pray over it. You will pray through it. And you will ask the Lord, what would you have me do? That's all we're asking right now is for you to pray. In fact, um, we have already had over $650,000 come in from a handful of people who have been obedient to say, yes, the Lord has blessed us. We want to lead in this path. We want to be amongst the first who give. Now we're asking for the rest of our church family to be a part of this. And so we're asking you to pray over this. Next week, if you could come, uh, we'll have a time of dedication where we can bring these cards down to the front here and say, Lord, this is my gift. I give it to you. We're dedicating this to the Lord. And I pray that you will be a part of the miracle that God wants to do. Over the past 13, 14, 15 years, we have seen miracles take place. Will you join in for the years to come? I pray and trust that you will. Would you pray with me? God, thank you for an opportunity that we have had to see lives changed. Lives in the waters of baptism here this morning. Lives and testimonies by video. Lives that um, give all glory and praise to you and only to you. God, it's not about the ministry of First Baptist. It's about Jesus and what you have done for us. And you've just chosen to use First Baptist as a change agent in this community. Really a change agent in this nation and this world as we send missionaries afar to make a difference. God, I I thank you for each of the lives that we have seen represented, whose lives have been changed. But God, I thank you even more for the lives that are to come. We don't know how long you're going to wait until you come for us. But until you do come, You continue to ask, and you continue to ask us. You give them something to eat. You be a part of the difference. You go and make disciples of all nations. Lord, we are just doing what we can with the time that you have given to us. May we continue to be obedient. May we continue to be faithful. First Baptist, all I ask this week is that you have that card in front of you as you pray before the Lord. Lord, what would you have me do? And may you be faithful and obedient to what he lays upon your heart. God, we love you. For it's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen.